You know what some interviewers do, um, and I thought maybe you were doing it for a moment, is they fake a technical issue. Yeah. And they keep, they keep rolling because they know that certain people, when they're getting interviewed, they just completely Get freeze. Yeah. yeah. I'll have you for right now. That's what you were doing, wasn't it? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> she saw me. Did, did you watch me do tech? I think I restarted it. I re-downloaded the driver that the audio um, well, thing picks up. Well, you performed very well under pressure because most people would have been stressed. On <laughs> yeah. We were actually just talking about that today as a concept. Um, just uh, we, how I mentioned gradualness can never, never happen in time and that what what can occur at a breakdown where there is no time injected into a situation someone dies like what just happened in the news or two people yell at each other cry or get physical yeah so my only goal in life is just to try to inject situation inject time into any sort of complex emotional situation so people can well, that's a, a great better. idea. But we're not interviewing me here. We're interviewing you. Well, we, maybe and we should because I really <laughs> like the sound of that. I haven't got that skill set. To lead this off, I, I, I read his <laughs> entire diary and I looked into everything in his life. And he, uh, I'm not. I'm, I'll, I'll give you a brief introduction. I'd love to hear you introduce yourself with with no not a hint of modesty in your voice. But he has published 350 studies, something like four have gone into nature and 12 have gotten into Science Magazine. And you were incredibly fascinated by Jackson Pollock earlier in life, to the point where you painted your fridge and your wife came home and she was maybe not a big fan of it. So yesterday, I've, I've been getting into screen printing, I wore one that had my old design on it, um, hiking with Ariel today, but this is mine, of what I'm screen printing currently. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I'm like, I'll take the chaos theory of the, the fractal nature of the universe yeah. to it by not having any right or wrong answers. This is supposed to be something that says, I am happy, I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am free, I'm loved, I'm balanced, I'm grateful just to be. Just this mantra I thought up of when I've never gotten into TM meditation. But anyways, it only printed the top half a couple times. <laughs> I've, just, I've just started, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, I've almost found truth or God in the sense that just try to reduce friction from my life and just go with whatever path it takes me in easiest, which is, I think, how you ended your TEDx talk in Portland, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that that's it, that, that you need to... Um, Perfect. You, you need to be honest with yourself, right? And I, I think that too many people do uh, what they think they ought to do rather than really what they really, really want to do. And, and that's it, isn't it? That's and that's the secret, because, you know, um, if you do what you really want to do in life, you're going to find that energy. And, you know, whatever you do in life, you're going to get knocked down by some challenges along the way. Mm -hmm. If you found something that you, you yourself are really, really interested in, that gives you an extra energy to get up and keep on going. If you are just doing something because you've been told to do it, then at some point your time is going to run out. And, and so that's where life looks after you. Really? You know? So at what age did you find art and uh, physics? Again, I, I didn't really introduce you enough. He's, he's the head of the physics department at the University of Oregon with, with a, f a fundamental basis in fractal design and chaos theory to the point where you were offered to write and you maybe even wrote and gave the eulogies of the granddaddy of both of those fields of science. One of them's Mandelbrot. I don't. Yeah. I don't know exactly how yeah. to, to to pronounce both yeah, of their names. That's good enough. But I'm like you. You could not be more honed in and keyed into that community, um, which I have a couple other friends who are into just the fractal nature of the universe. Yeah. So I'm curious if you were to give people just a brief introduction, someone who's never heard of fractals, they've been like, yeah, I've seen cauliflower before. What <laughs> would you tell them that would grasp them and be like, oh, I should learn more about fractals? Well, fractals, very simply, are just patterns that repeat at different size scales. You know, so a tree has got 
big branches, but it's got smaller branches coming off those and smaller and smaller branches. Very simple idea, just this repetition, but nature uses it a lot, and so a lot of people refer to it as the fingerprint of nature. And that's what fascinates me. Why is nature, and you know, we can assume that nature is doing well and has got things right, why did nature choose to build all of these things from fractals? And you've been in the field for 30 years. Do you have any God, semblance of an years. answer on that topic? Um, no, other than every time I do some research on fractals, well, you know, whatever it is, yeah. uh, it, it, it comes out with something really useful and something wonderful Beautiful. about it. If you, you know. were to give an example, I don't want to give away your work with in terms of carpets and, and who knows how you, your work may be used as architecture ad infinitum mm -hmm. for the rest of time. Uh, if it lives forever, which I don't know if you've shown yourself, but to introduce this person really quick behind the, the DJ mix, this is Ariel Rubin. She is an all-around rock star, and she can introduce herself now if she wants. Oh, thanks. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Uh, my folks own Hummingbird Wholesale, a food manufacturer. We work a lot with organic farmers here in Eugene, um, and I'm currently the venture catalyst, a rural venture catalyst for Oregon Rain, so I support small businesses across Lane County. So... And she doesn't know this yet, but I'm eventually going to convince her to be my mentor. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. <laughs> Who knows if, if that'll ever manifest itself. Yeah. I'm like, I'm excited. It, it's so fascinating when you meet minds that have really delved into, as you used the terminology before, just to catch everyone up. Uh, we had technical difficulties for, I think that we all had to talk for about 30 minutes while I <laughs> frantically, I mean, I was screaming at both of them. I was on my computer. Now. Yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned staring into the void, and when you meet people who have been in solitude enough and really formed their core belief system on mm. things such as con consciousness continuing, which Ariel brought up earlier, is she thinks there's no end to it, which I find to be more terrifying than the concept of there being an end where we get to drop everything. Um, but then what you do after you've dropped everything? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, so you're hoping for uh, the transhumanist aspect of, of reality in terms of removing death and suffering from existence? No, I mean, I, you know, I deal with reality. I think you've got what you've got, yeah. um, and things come along. Um, I've been, you know, I have to say that I've been very lucky in life, so I've never had to face any major tragedies. So any? Not, not really. I, wow. I am a very lucky person. That's what we want to learn. <laughs> yeah. How do you get that lucky? You, you got I that think, lucky by following you know, your passion. Yeah, I, I think sometimes, you know, when people declare that they're lucky, I think to some extent you make your luck. Yeah, And I think some people, I really do believe, and again, within the context that nothing really awful has happened to me, but life, some things happen for no other reason than they happen. And I have noticed that the people who do well in life maximize the impact of the positive things and minimize and move on quickly from the negative things. Mm. And did you reach a point through that through reading a specific book, meditating? What, how, what developed that Just in your mind where you could acute, like you had the acuity to realize that pattern in people? Because you work with patterns. You're a physics yeah. guy. You're, you're um, fractals. You, you see patterns. I don't think, I, I certainly didn't read it. And I'm actually, I don't think I'm that good at it either. You know, oh. that I, I tend to sometimes dwell on defeats a little longer than I would like philosophically yeah. if I listen to me. Because, uh, you know, you, uh, one, one big thing I would say that I do, right, that I, it took me a long time to do it is, um, what, what does failure mean? So let's say you do five things, right? And let's see you succeed at those five things. Yeah. What that shows is that you've not been challenging yourself enough, that those five things were too easy for you. 
Let's say you do five things and all of them fail. Then clearly you're doing the wrong thing in life for whatever yeah. reason. But let's say you do five things and four of them you do really well at. Mm -hmm. Then that fifth one, the one that you failed at... You should is focus just a, on that for the well, rest no, of Well, no, you should <laughs> just see it as a consequence of the fact that you got four things right. Yeah. And if, you, if you're setting yourself right, once in a while you're going to fail... And just acknowledge it. Failure isn't disastrous. It's just part of the journey yeah. on your road to the success. And I think if people take that attitude in terms of risk, if people are too frightened about that one-time failure so they never do the five things, that's where all of the problems start to arise. Absolutely. The best metaphor that I've used to kind of internalize that is uh, Kanye brought it up on Joe Rogan, funny enough. He mentioned if I put a two by four on the ground and I said walk across it, you easily could. But if it was 100 feet up in the air, <laughs> it might be a new task, you might say. Like, and, and that's what society does. I, it would be a conspiracy theory and I'd never share it, but I almost think that the U.S. government wants and promotes homeless people so that other people see that and say, I don't want to be that. <laughs> I will go work uh, to something that yeah. has no connection to my, my true passion life. I'll hurt my physical body and my mental body in order to avoid. So it's a fear-based reality yeah. and existence that they're going through. You managed to escape that paradigm. Were you raised in a non-traditional household? I know you you have your ministry of, of Church of Love or Church of Faith yeah, or however yeah, that the works. Yeah, Universal Church of Life. You and know way too many things. Way too much. Really? Wait, is that the one that does marriage licenses? Yeah. yeah. Oh. So I've married people and I've done funerals. To adjust you really quick, things. I'll have you scoot in a little bit toward me so the camera... I mean, yeah. I guess you're behind it. You know a little bit better, but... Um, we don't just want to see a half of your face the whole time. We want yeah, that gorgeous mug. <laughs> so anyway, what, what, what were some of the foundational things that crafted you to be a person who says, I'm willing to bet, take a bet on myself in life because it paid off. You seem very well-adjusted and oh, conscious. That's what you think. Um, <laughs> that's what I, I, was very, I was very lucky in that I had parents who genuinely were very supportive and wanted me to do what I really wanted to do. So they never were people saying, oh, you, you should be doing this or that. And, and that's been really helpful because at a certain, sometimes in my life, you know, I've been doing a sort of traditional physicist thing, yeah. going through that career. And at, that, and at certain points, I've just decided I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go to art school. And I've been very lucky that when that's happened, most people have been very supportive and said, hey, cool you want to go to art school. Yeah. And the only people who criticized me, I'd say, at times like that, was some people felt that I wasn't taking science seriously enough by going to art school. Yeah. When, in fact, that wasn't a, uh, an indication that I wasn't taking science seriously. It was an indication that I was really taking art seriously. And that society hasn't taken art seriously enough, which is one of your, I think it was 11 years ago, you were working on the field of bridging the gap between science and art. Yeah. And how foundational they are in each other which is where the yeah. work of fractals kind of came about so what age did you hone into fractals as the thing that you wanted to sh like learn more and share with the world because that's a fascinating field of study well you know i think most people know about fractals subconsciously before they realize it you know that we're picking up when we look at trees and clouds and stuff on a subconscious level all of our research has shown that we do understand them on that, on that automatic level. Yeah. I'd say for me about when did consciously, when did I start to study fractals? It was when I was doing my uh, PhD in physics, when I was studying electrical currents going through So you're 28 or 32 or? No, God, in England, you know, you, you really plow through the educational system. So I was, 
I'd got my PhD when I was 25, so wow. sort of early 20s, which is standard in England. Wow, I'm turning yeah. 24 here, July 7th, 7797. That's almost not a fractal, obviously. Yeah. But it's it's, it's yeah. funny to see patterns in nature, patterns in life. Uh, yeah. A common question that I've heard asked to me is, like, that: do you, do you think your name played a role in your life? Especially with my name Tiger, I'm like, well, I can never answer that because my life, my life's been an absolute psychedelic trip thus far. Especially with the name Tiger, no one ever forgets yeah. me, yeah. and so I'm like, well, this is not fun for laying low. But I'm curious, have you, Richard? It's almost, it's, uh, I believe you said you're in the Church of Christ or the Church of Divinity before uh, no, you went to the the Universal Church that has no direct lineage to a, um, a religion. Yeah. But you were named into Christianity. Yeah. Has it formed you as a person? And did you read that part of the Bible? Was it a psychedelic experience? Yeah, you know, so I grew up in a, um, you know, kind of, you know, Church of England, Protestant thing where, you know, I'd go to church as a little kid. Um, and so that that's kind of there. Um, and so, you know, it, you know, we were talking earlier about different eras. And I think in that era... Um, traditional religion was the expectation. Oh, it dominated. Yeah. And yet um, you managed to escape the, the fear and anxiety-based thinking that people are often consumed with when they grow up in that environment. That's well, what I'm trying to you know, figure again, out. Again, Church of England's very sort of interesting religion, and it's not a fire preacher or anything. It's oh, quite, really? you know, and it's very liberal. Nice. You know, so, you know, the idea of women being priests in the Church of England you know it's been going on forever as far as i know so i had not a clue yeah you That's know so so i grew up again in a very tolerant environment whether it was the church or my school or my home life mm -hmm. and i think you know, well everyone knows right psychology yeah. uh, when when you're growing up you are forming those networks of neurons which determine the rest how, of how do you yeah how do you react to challenges and how do you react to sadness and things like that and so if you were to look at someone let's just i grew up in a very similar situation where i'm very fortunate to be but let's say i grew up with an alcoholic in my family and an abuser in my family so i've been so hard-coded to view life as something to be just wary of people who are emotional, wary of people who want something from me. Whereas, yeah. whereas we currently grew up not in that paradigm. Yeah. So we're, you could say, free to pursue. I'm pursuing a, a leveraged medium that could reach 100 million people just as easily as one. Yeah. And you're working in a field where you, you, the, the studies that you're publishing could be used literally and built upon I mean I think you've been you said you've been cited 67,000 times or no, 6,700 times yeah, so, yeah maybe 7,000 times 7,000 times that's yeah. phenomenal if you looked at the fractal uh, <laughs> nature in terms of how many times each of those studies were, were cited maybe by a meta-analysis yeah, of some yeah. sense and then you can bring it back to you have made a positive impact on the world by studying and doing what you love do you have children or are you raising them in a way that cultivates that same thing no, so I don't have children. I um, I have dogs who I love, um, and you know, just didn't have kids just because that's what this journey did. You know, I didn't make any decision that I did want kids or didn't have kids. Yeah. To bring Ariel into this, we we prior to prior to the technology magically working, she said that she's on on board of not having kids. When I when I uh, kind of breached the subject of saying a lot of my friends are not looking to do it because of the the horrific and horrendous nature of yeah. reality that we're currently experiencing. Why aren't you going to have kids? Oh, man, I haven't fully <laughs> made up the decision. Yeah. I mean, there is this, like, wonderful motherly biological instinct, and I would love to nurture and, and grow beautiful humans, but um, I'm scared right now, I think, just with the outlook of the world and 
um, trying to find my place and how to contribute well and be an outstanding human and, you know, am I a good enough example yet also? So I think I'm battling all those. <laughs> and all those natural things. you have a biological ticking time bomb, whereas you could still have kids <laughs> He's today. He's today, isn't he? <laughs> well, it's a fascinating concept to consider in terms of uh, earlier on a walk, we had, we had breached the topic of I, uh, earlier, or I would say up until a week ago in my life, someone had asked me, hey, do you view men and women as being in an equal spot in life cognitively where they could give back to society to the same extent? Mm. And I said, no. In a sexist way, you could, or a misogynist way, but purely based on the conditioning that females have had to go through. I mean, every kid my age was literally told, you can be a president, you can do whatever yeah. you want. You, no one said, be careful on the playground. Nobody. They're like, yeah, go play. You should try out as many things as you could. But there's a lot of women who I've met in my life who have been told, be careful. And just these little subtle things that, as you mentioned, what we input as children strongly affect us. But I think if women were raised... At, to the level mm. they could be, they could easily match and if not go oh, yeah. further than yeah. men. But it's crazy how long society has had this stranglehold that's been reverberating through generations, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's the positive thing about this era, right? We're seeing changes re relatively quickly now. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing that I think your generation is going to see is all of these, uh, just a greater awareness of... Uh, you know, different people in different circumstances and being more careful about, you know, what your impact is. These little things that you might say subconsciously, huge impact on somebody else. Has that, you know? have you noticed that in your life? Any sort of like main motifs or even just recently if it's, if it's more prevalent? And it's, I don't mean to get too personal. If you're just like, no, no let's no. talk about my work, because no, I've had many. Yeah, um, I'm curious. I mean, you know, so this is a major topic at our university at the moment. Right, you know, in terms of, um, you know, just awareness of, um, you know, people's lives. You know, so when I grew up at a university, or sorry, I didn't grow up at a university, yeah. but, you know, when, when I went to university, it was just seen, um, you know, like a physics department was really just seen as a place where you would learn physics. Mm. Now we're seeing quite rightly as professors are looking after students as they venture through this very valuable phase in their lives. And in any way that we can help them in that mission is good. That mm. It's not just, hey, can I teach Newton's laws to you? But have I, you know, is there any way that I can give you some advice about life and where you're going and things like mm. that? And so those sorts of things, awareness. And I, I look back on TV programs that I know that I used to watch in the 80s. Yeah. And some of the stuff that was said was horrendous. But mm. as a little kid, I watched that and just thought, I must have thought, well, that's okay. Yeah. But it was sexist. It was racist. Teachers have a huge impact on children. Yeah. And, I mean, everybody, really. And I think also we're putting teachers on a pedestal in a way, and we're opening our minds and our consciousnesses to them. So we're downloading maybe a lot more subconsciously as well. You yeah. Know? 
that's a, a trend that I've noticed. Uh, I saw an old picture of a schoolhouse, and maybe I'll add it in post. I'm too lazy. I'm not going to do that. I have enough <laughs> on my hands. Um, but what it was was just one teacher with kids all spread out. And yeah. now technology is a place where you can find how you want to tune your own consciousness, your own warden of your psyche that makes you feel mm -hmm. guilt and say, I want to be happy and healthy. And you can go toward that without someone instilling their morals yeah. and their psychological trauma from childhood upon your child. Yeah. I'm like, I think higher education is going in great directions, but I think early education needs a serious remodeling mm -hmm. to tell people how to think and yeah. how to be critical yeah. of new input and not letting energy yeah. affect you. You know. Yeah. So I think you know, there's many great things that are going to get better and better for you know current young kids. See, you should have kids, Ariel. What I would say about that is that, again, you know, getting back to our earlier conversation, people, there's a tendency to think, oh, there's just one right direction for me in life, and I better get it right. And it's not true. If you've got energy and you've got talent, you can succeed in many different ways. That's the most freeing thing I've heard all day. I mean, <laughs> you'll know how poignant that is to literally the conversation that we had hiking earlier today. I'm like, I feel this tremendous weight that there's one direct path. And there isn't. And there isn't. No. But don't you think that there, there's a possibility that multiple generations of people feeling that way, that they can always act better later, that that's why we're in the mess we are in today? That we all only have the moment. Like, what's every day is today kind of thing? Like, like there is no, I'll act better in the future when I'm more stable or or when yeah. it, once I've worked on myself, you know? Yeah, but I still think, you know, the, the, you know, there's lots of opportunity in life. The, let's say you did five years of really bad things. <sighs> lots of great ways to redeem yourself and go on and do great things. And that's something that was hard-coded into you growing up within a church, is that you can never stray too far where you can't come back again, right? Well, you know, that's that religion. You know, I think Church of England that I grew up with was just be a, you know, be a nice person. That's so cool. <laughs> I mean, we, should, we all need more of that in life. That's what I'm starting to think of. So do you find that in your daily life you, you and I don't mean to stand faith in God too long. We can yeah. talk about physics and math, but they're pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> they're all almost interchangeable terms. The yeah. more you learn about truth, the more you're learning about yeah. fractals, physics, math, yeah. the whole lot of it. Yeah. Um, do you find yourself when you're studying and getting ready to publish a paper, do you find synchronicities occurring, a deeper like level of consciousness that reflects back upon you since you're the researcher studying it do you, do you find this almost metacognition of like whoa did i put that in there or, or is it just reflecting what i'm trying to look for oh well, there's so many interesting questions in there right i mean i think the the thing why i think any research whether it's science or whatever it is is really fascinating and it's a privilege is that you are finding out something about potentially about life that no one has ever found out before. And that's quite a privilege. Absolutely. Whether it's you as a humanities professor reading some old scroll and putting something together, or it's a scientist moving atoms around in the way that they've never been. That sort of voyage of discovery. And that, that's what I like as, as a scientist is um, is that almost like detective story that you that is out there and you've got to put the pieces together. Yeah. And I think that that's when it gets exciting when you start to sense that the story's coming together, you know, that you, you're, you're getting close to the truth. Absolutely. Because at the start, it's all over the place and you've yeah. got a hypothesis or something, but it could be right or it could I'll be I'll have wrong. you bring that a little bit closer. I just want to yeah, make sure so you're, you're held so clear. Um, 
And so with, with that in mind, it's funny that you said you're 56 now, not to date God, you. God, almost 50. Um, that was like 10 minutes ago. I'm 57 now. 57 now. <laughs> and you yeah. said that once you turn 60, you'll be a, an artist because you describe yourself as a scientist, which is fascinating terminology. Yeah. If deep down you are an artist, you, you don't say any sort of middle ground of the two. Um, so I'm curious if, yeah. if your move toward fractals and chaos theory, I believe you sent electrons through with an interfering thing. Uh, are you heading toward viewing chaos, looking into the void of chaotic, the chaos of nature? And what are you trying to pull back from that and share with people, if anything? I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, no, know. it's great because unt until you actually said it back to me, I don't think I've actually really thought that I'm declaring myself a scientist because I'm meant to be known for no boundaries whatsoever, and yet here I am saying it. But I, I do think that um, that you you are defined a little bit by what you're actually doing right now. Absolutely. And, and I am a scientist, or though I walk to the edge to collaborate with the psychologists, I am, at the moment, a scientist collaborating, sorry, a physicist collaborating with a psychologist or a physicist collaborating with a human physiologist or whatever it is. But when I went to art school, I really was... Um, fresh, fresh, fresh and, and an artist. Yeah. But it never leaves you, right? Because I'm currently, I'm a physicist doing physics, but in my past, I've been an artist. And so it does change you. Absolutely. Uh, but what I meant by the 60 is I think that as my day job, I might well just decide that I'm going to build these big wind machines that are going to paint nature's motion rather than building a bionic eye. And much like you mentioned, just to bring people back into the conversation, you're speaking about a Burning Man type vehicle that travels due to wind with, with multiple 20 or 50 legs that all kind of move in. Yeah. Unison. Yeah. Gorgeous. So have you, <laughs> have you been to Burning <laughs> well Man? Well said. That captures it beautifully, actually. H have you been to Burning Man? Have you experienced I haven't. I have many friends who have been to Burning Man. Yeah. Are you at a yeah. place, uh, stability of tenure, where you can speak about the, the exogenous? implications of serotonin elevation like taking something like dmt or or and if not i can hop off that and delete that part of the interview even so i'm not there because that's nowhere near my speciality ah, you know it seems, it seems like someone looking at <laughs> fractals which is like the number one thing that becomes overwhelmingly apparent when i'll just use myself as an example yeah. when when i take psychedelics i mean yeah. you can't look away from it as much as yeah. you try you turn the lights off yeah. and now you the darkness has become fractal yeah, you know, so fractals definitely have a special relationship with humans, right? That, 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 that's even clear before you get onto drugs, right? That we, you know, there's a whole movement called biophilia that says that humans have this intrinsic need to be connected with nature. Mm -hmm. And if you think that we've grown up through millennia being surrounded by these fractal patterns, then there is going to be, in some sense, we're natural, we're kind of hardwired to look at these things. So when you look at them... And what, would, what exactly biologically would have hardwired us, like, like a fruit that's more in a better shape or proportion? Like, would it draw us better and have more? Like, like that doesn't make any sense to me. So what exactly about it? And I'll have you sit here and face me. I'll, again, I want you looking really good <laughs> yeah, in that camera. Sorry, I Ignore keep her. On, Pretend I like keep she doesn't exist for now. I know. We all just want comfort <laughs> in life. Um, <laughs> so what, what would have hardwired that in? And I, just, just really quick before we delve into this, I want you to look at the time and be cognizant of it. And let me know if... Um, yeah, no like, problem. I'm, cool, I'm okay. Cool. Um, and you as well, because I can take over that. Yeah, um, okay. So again, what, what purpose does fractals bring into us? Because the study that actually reached out to you, it, it was one of your most recent. It was put on Reddit, and it was about yeah. how children as young as six...
you know, uh-oh, this just went black. Oh, that's oh, fine. It's back. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah, I'm a seeker, and I'm always interested in learning, and so, you know, I met you, and I just found you super interesting, and it sort of led me along my own essential bias, right? Like, I'm a seeker, and I'm curious, and I'm... Oh, thanks. <laughs> just if you weren't on it. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm always looking for, you know, expansive thinking and that's what gives me the most joy and excitement and passion is to expand my thinking and so you know meeting someone who was as interesting as you tiger I was just like okay cool I'm excited like let's see where this leads yeah. but you didn't force me and you didn't necessarily change me I mean of course I interacted with you and it was super inspiring mm -hmm. but I was also already going in that direction mm -hmm. do you know what I mean oh I would say so, you radically changed my direction I think pe really? multiple people pivoted me 180 in life I mean, literally, getting that Ogmandino, the greatest salesman in the world book, pivoted my life to such a 180. I confided in you earlier. I had taken Kratom, which is non-opium, but non-opiate, but it, it, it affects the same neuro. You know, it's, it, if it looks like it walks and it talks like an opiate, it's practically an opiate for about four <laughs> years. And then I'd been taking something that acts on the GABA B receptor, similar to an, uh, a benzodiazepine. So I was really relaxed and unanxious and warm and fuzzy. And I got that book, and it was all about removing bad habits from your life, creating good habits, yeah. and just, just understanding that if, if I'm ch chasing dopamine, easy, quick, feel good right now, that's not going to help me out in life because all I have is, I don't know, it, it, it went really far, but pretty much it pivoted within a one week, one week span, I pretty much said, okay, I'm done taking stuff, and yeah. I'm done just being some person who plays like video games, not to call anyone out, or like wastes quote unquote my time. But it, it radically one ship, one sh 180 pivoted me, and that was on the recommendation of someone. This is interesting. It's definitely, yeah. Looking back <laughs> in my life, there are people that have radically changed my direction and my thinking. So I'll have to amend my thought process on this. But it's a fascinating I guess concept. When I'm moving forward in my life, I'm not necessarily going forward to try and change people. And when I, for instance, try and change my partner, it never works. <laughs> but when I change yeah. my own self in that relationship, then things just like magically unfold and happen. Interesting. I'll say so, for myself, that's where strife has come. What about you? When you, you die to yourself of yesterday and you become a new man and you bring that new man to your, your partner, is she always warm and accepting even if you, like if you said you wanted to shave your hair tomorrow and you mm -hmm. wanted to just start drinking beer all the time, like would she just be, have a radically uh, warm and open accepting lovingness or would she, <laughs> would it cause some friction, you know? So I'm like, to some extent, society and school has also taught us, never change. Whatever you do, stay the exact same. That's oh, is that right? That's um, what I've gotten from it, at least. Yeah, I mean, um, I, no, I agree with everything you say. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't get up in the morning and say I'm going to change people. Um, but I, I never have that. I have, never have this thing, oh, I mustn't change. You, you say you don't wake up wanting to change people, but you said the highlight of your day is receiving an email from 15 years ago of someone you've changed. Oh, learning that I've changed somebody, but, you know, it's not that I... I don't think I got up that morning when I gave that lecture with this idea that I'm going to do something where 15 years later someone's going to remember it. That's um, the way I'm living right now. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm yeah, kidding. I, mean, I have that, not that be, said a lot. You know, those sorts of things, you'd put a lot of pressure on yourself. Absolutely. You know, and and that's when people burn out, like you had mentioned, is the number one thing to avoid. But another way of looking at it was you were, and I'm sure you're consciously doing your job. You've obviously reached great heights that I may never reach in life, which I respect. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you have made it. Um, in, in From the vision of a 23-year-old who's looking at it, like, I view that as success. Um, 
maybe do you think you were unconsciously programming people if you went into it saying, oh, I'm not changing anyone's life. Like, shouldn't we, ex- like, like I, I'm doing this podcast right now. I should cognitively be like, I shouldn't just be talking about, everyone here should just watch all this horrific stuff and yeah. talk mad at people and yell at people. Because I'm, I'm aware and cognizant of the impact I have on people. When I put a podcast on, I'm like, sick, I'll have someone else think for me for an hour. And then I put a podcast on. And I'm, I'm downloading that yeah. information, which then finds its way out to you. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if people should be living more consciously or how you got to where you are. Did you, not, did you avoid that path? And that's how you didn't get burnt out. So, you know, if you just look about what you said, uh, yeah, if only I could be clever enough to not move the mic. That's golden, yeah. This genius who's made it in life can't quite speak into a microphone. Um, you know, if you think back to what you just did a few minutes ago and say in one sentence, you know, summarize your life. Yeah. And then think about the stress that you've got to get those words together in that sentence. And that's why I tried to give you time. If you just said, uh, speak for half an hour, and somewhere in that half an hour you're going to say something really clever. That's the way we operate, mm. right? And you get up and there's an awful lot happens in a day and there's an awful lot happens in a week. And if mostly you get it right, then you're going to have that positive impact. You're going to get into really hard times if you think about every single action that you do. We were mentioning this earlier, the concept of a signal-noise ratio, which it sounds like you're alluding to at least. Yeah. So I've tried to cut out as much noise as possible and be as much of a signal as I can. Like, like just reading your, literally, it was a Reddit thread with maybe a hundred likes on some small subreddit that I've been following. I'm like, oh, he's here in, in Eugene, Oregon, and he's, yeah. he's studying something that I find profoundly fascinating. Yeah. That, I was so tried to tune into just pure, you would say when you make a study, you take hundreds or thousands of hours, if you're including the, your minions works time, and you condense it into, what, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 words? Yeah, isn't that amazing? So you have to condense all that noise and signal. You have to cut it out. Like yeah. you said in conversation, that's my goal is to take 30 minutes of conversation and cut it down to yeah. one or two minutes. Yeah. It's difficult. In, in terms of but in, in terms of what you produce, that's true. But, you know, the other thing that we touched on earlier is just the joy of doing it. What if I just took that manuscript and deleted it? There was still some happiness in getting to it and doing it, right? I think. Yeah. Like, you know, getting back to my running thing, one of the. I'm, I'm fascinated with running because I enjoy it and hardly anybody else does. And I can understand intellectually why they don't. Why yeah. would you find that? And I, I got. I, so I used to run for my university, and I, you know, I'm not, I wasn't an Olympic athlete or anything, but I got really good. And but I would go out for these runs and push myself really hard, and then I'd go home, and I'd never tell anybody how fast I'd run because the joy was just in the running. Yeah. And it really didn't matter at all to me whether anybody else knew about it or not. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's something that you've got to celebrate in life. If you were doing something where only the outcome matters and you get no joy out of the, the journey on the way to that outcome then I think you should pick something else where you enjoy both the journey and the outcome yeah um, 
I've been doing my best lately to find, to just start living my life. I, I wrapped it to Ariel, uh, but a song that I've been getting really into called Follow God by Kanye is lifelike. This is what your life's like. Try to live your life right. People really know you push your buttons like a typewriter. <laughs> this is like a movie, but it's awfully very lifelike. You know, it just kind of yeah. goes on. But yeah. the first line of that, lifelike, this is what your life's like. That's it. Is yeah. someone's been like, this is your life. If you're in a scenario, you should either try to avoid it in the future or enjoy it. So I've just been like, if I'm washing dishes or if I'm whatever I'm finding myself doing, I'm like, well, I must like this because I'm doing this because I'm setting the parameter in your terminology of I don't do something I don't enjoy. And I obviously had to get there through years of developing financial and mental and physical freedom and, and health. Yeah. Yeah. But now that once you're at that point, it's like, then you can almost find enjoyment and intrinsic value to use kind of the line that you're, the thread you're going along yeah. um, in anything. So now my top concern becomes how can I get the most output for the least amount of input? Yeah, that's you know? why you're going to get super stressed when you start thinking about things like that. Yeah, that's what you, I want to learn from you. I you see you and I say, how can I, how can I reach my goals in life without, 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 without being the person who had to stress and try really hard? I want to be in a position where you are with different goals, but equally as successful in terms of reaching goals and being at a place where you teach and impact other people's lives positively. I see that as something where I'm like, I respect a lot of the values you've embodied as a young person and made happen. Mm. So that's well, I'm, glad, I, I'm glad you see me in this way, but you know, you've got to remember that I'm, whatever, 30 years older, and that's an awful lot of days to do something fantastic with, and I'm confident that you will be as magnificent as I am when fun. you get to 57. <laughs> well, it's fun. No one ever talks themselves up. If anyone in the world can talk themselves up, it's someone who's published so many papers, and I'm like, you deserve, like, because if you can't, what hope do I have? I've been really trying to internalize the concept that, well, I actually don't think so. I, I don't know whether uh, if I go back to 23 or 24, I don't think I was as reflective as, as you are now. It's hell. No, I'm kidding. No, no, I, no, I, think I really be. enjoy it. I, I find so it much. Can be. It can be, though. It can be. <laughs> it can be. But it's an enjoyable one. Oh. Analysis paralysis. Analysis yeah. paralysis. What I would say is this, is the, um, the great people in life well, I think I've used that phrase before about, you know, the people who maximize positivity, and that's definitely true. But I think that the great people in life also tend to be opportunists, mm -hmm. that they see something come along and they think, I like that, and that's what I'm going to do. They see the opportunity. They don't second think it. They don't go, oh, I wonder if this is too good or not. Yeah. And they've done some preparation in their lives, maybe not consciously and maybe not structurally, but they, through their interests, have gained some wisdom, where at the time it might not have been, well, why am I gaining this wisdom? Yeah. There's no point to it. But then seven years later, that little wisdom that they gain, something comes along in life, and boom, and they can go for it. That's funny. That's such a romanticized view of life that I think I've developed from watching movies and TV shows, <laughs> which always connect the dots. But I've found my life having surprisingly an amount of threads that get lost. And I'm curious if they come back. Have you noticed that the primary threads in your you life think, have all came you back? You think they've got lost, but they, they haven't. That's beautifully joyous to hear. Back. I like that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it really is true, right? Life is complicated. There are lots of complexities. And you can't... Chaos. Yeah, <laughs> and you can't... You can't quantify and steer at that level you're going to get knocked around a lot mm -hmm. and it's more the big currents and you just gotta when you find the right current just go with it and don't mm -hmm. swim in the other direction mm -hmm. and so it's not that that 
kind of intellectual thing, plotting of, oh, I've got to get this right, or I've got to get this right, is, yeah. wow, I really like the look of that. Yeah. But I also wonder, I know millennials are really driven by sort of doing good or that our careers need to mean something. We can't yeah. just like go to work and then go home and then have the rest of our life. Like our careers need to really mean something. Especially with COVID where our work comes home to us with our phones. As I, I imagine you deal with that a lot as the work you do blends the line between friendship and work. Like if you were to take me on as a mentor, that would be a blurred line, especially because your phone's with you potentially all the time, you know? I mean, for me, it's Let's on my wrist. Let's collaborate. I don't know if I'd be the best mentor. <laughs> I don't need a mentor in life. I don't, I, I, I'm just kidding. I, I enjoy flattering people and no follow-through. <laughs> only empty gestures. <laughs> but don't you think that, that is the burden of your generation, unfortunately? The, yeah. the The world and its development has placed you in that position where now you, you feel obliged, maybe looking at the previous generations to say, oh, my goodness, I've, I've got to combine these things. My generation was far more, I've got to earn some money. But no, eat, that's us too. To for eat sure. food. Well, but I, mean, but people, I was never from a consciously. Young age, people would tell me, like, you got to fix this. And, like, you know, this is yeah. on you. Like, that was yeah. very. See, my generation didn't have that. It was more, you know, it'd be cool to design a fantastic aeroplane, you know, but it wasn't because. It's got to save the planet. Yeah. Here, you, you had, here's, here's plentiful bounty. Enjoy it. Just make some money. Yeah. Pass along some knowledge. So I, want, I really want to dive into an interesting concept that you could, if, if I don't take this and run, someone listening who's, who's equally as interested in the field as I am will. So you mentioned luck is where preparation meets opportunity or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. And so there's actually a couple different kinds of luck. One's blind luck, just random lottery number. Two is hustle luck, or when you put in the work and then an opportunity shows up. Number three is called specialization luck, where someone like you has developed such an expansive knowledge of fractals, chaos, physics. Mm -hmm. I assume math's involved in physics. I don't know that much. Mm -hmm. um, and then if an opportunity comes up that someone's hustling still doesn't reach that new field, um, but you have the foresight from being at the top of the mountain to see a new opportunity that could either help people, make someone money, or someone may enjoy working on. But maybe you're at a mm -hmm. place where you don't... It's, it, you'd be spreading yourself too thin if you pursued it. Is there something that you think would be seriously awesome if someone pursued, but you don't want to pursue? Well, let's just, that's a great question. Let's just go back one about, you know, because there's all a lot of debate in life about the specialist versus the generalist. Yeah. You know, and should you learn a lot about one thing, or should you, what you said, spread yourself thin? Um, and if you look at what I am, I, I appear to be a generalist, right? Are you, oh my God, he, he studied Jackson Pollock, he's doing bionic eyes, he's talking about human physiology and blah, 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 right? Designing carpets. The, designing Everywhere, carpets. Everywhere, teaching right? people. It yeah. just appears like I'm doing everything. In fact, I'm not, I'm just doing one thing. I have this speciality in fractal patterns, but I put that in my little suitcase and I walk to all of these different disciplines and collaborate with people who know a lot about those things. And so, you being at the pinnacle of fractals, what field do you see that fractals could be incorporated with? Like, like I would say e-commerce found um, the, the, the part of, era of Craigslist where people are renting out their houses and Airbnb was formed mm -hmm. because someone had the expertise of one of those fields and they saw it and combined it and that was a form of luck. Mm. Do you see anything on the horizon of fractals 
that you think might be really worth pursuing but might be too big of an endeavor for you to take on or you're just not? Oh, yeah, great question. So, you know, the, the, the Bionic Eye project is beautiful and the, just the simplicity of it and the obvious. Sounds really simple. <laughs> Bionic yeah, Eye. Yeah, yeah. On, on <laughs> one level, the most complex it is, thing ever. Yeah, and you can make things as complicated as possible, but, you know, you, you open up a computer and the electronics all looks in a certain way. It's straight lines and whatever. Open up the body and you look at your body's neurons, the wiring, and it's not like that at all, right? So now you think, well, okay, what if I have to develop some electronics to interface with the human body? Yeah. Then to me, I say, well, why would you design the electronics that looks like that? Because that's not designed to interact with a human being. Why don't you look at the body's wiring, the neurons, and use that architecture for your circuit? And that's what our fractal electronics is, that the, all of the nerves in your body are fractal. So if we're going to interface with it, we should make our electronics fractal. Does Simple it get to idea. a point where, where the distance between two uh, nodes is small, shorter than like the distance of an electron once you get down to, what, four, yeah. no, four nanometers or something? Yeah, so actually you, the human body works at a much larger scale. Oh, we so did, we don't run We did nanoelectronics because we wanted to cram as much oh, okay. into a computer. The, the, the wiring in the body is all on the micron. Scale. Oh, so you have yeah, room to spare. Yeah, yeah, and it's the shape rather than the size that's really important. But there's no way. That's a really clever idea. And so, what I just want to make sure in the coming years is that I publish enough to get the basic idea out there. But somebody else will take that idea and run with it and that's build. Exactly and what I was hoping. And, and so you have studies out. Someone could look into you, and because because I got to admit, I, I I clearly researched you last night yeah. and this morning before we met. And most of the things I found were videos from six to 12 years ago. And there was no like a really digestible way to like learn yeah. everything about yeah. fractals. Maybe you look at, if you look at my website, there's lots of I movies didn't. from recent times. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating, um, I'll have to look more into that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think the bionic eye thing is great. I think though, the thing that I will see in my time is these stress reducing fractal patterns. Have you paused and ever considered the phrase that like, well, blind people deserve it, we shouldn't help them? I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, a, a more interesting thing that I had to be careful about as I got into this field mm -hmm. is so that these, um, I call them, you know, we call them bionic eyes in the, in the field that call retinal implants. And uh, they are designed more for people who have diseases of the eye. And so there's diseases uh, like macular degeneration. So a quarter of us, all of us develop yeah, it, right? So That's horrific. Yeah, so one of us in this room will go blind before we die because we'll get the disease. That, that, that's the statistic. And the problem is, is that we spend all of our lives relying on vision and then get it taken away. But there are people who were born blind, and that is fundamentally a part of who they are. And, you know, you've got to be very careful that they may not want to take one of these bionic eyes. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, because that will change who they are. So you have to be very respectful of, the, of who your audience We're is. We're really coming back to the fact of changing people. And can you change someone to the point where someone's blind and you can offer them vision? And they may say no. Okay, well, you know well. what? That in itself, that argument convinced me that I should stop trying to change people. <laughs> yeah. If there are blind people out there who say, I don't want to see. There's clearly yeah. people out there who don't have a, yeah, a, a similar Yeah, I mean, if it's goal. a blind person smoking a cigarette, you can take their cigarette out of their mouth and change them that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just a fascinating concept of who, who's, who's, uh, whose fault is it for the, the predicament that the world's in and whose fault is it to improve it. 
and I'm just feeling like, oh, it's everyone's fault, and I'm part of everyone. Mm. So I just extrapolate out, and it's, it, it gets to a place where um, I found the fractal nature of my interactions have a reverberation yeah. effect upon everyone in the community and almost the world at large. And so I'm just starting to be hyper vigilant and aware of, of words that I say, whereas I used to be someone, as I said, when I was taking substances, I was completely numbed out to what I was saying, where I wasn't in tune. But you've also got to, and it is so easy for me to say, uh, but you don't want to become too bland either. You know, you do, the, there is some value for being a little bit provocative. Yeah. You should care about people and things. This is me being provocative. Normally, an aerial will back me up on this. Normally, I just wear all tan. I used to not wear a single lick of, um, yeah, you of can, jewelry. You can, you can do a splash of orange and go. <laughs> splash of orange. So anyways, I've started kind of embodying that concept of like, I went bland for about a year and a half of my life, and now I'm like, I want to do something. I'd rather speak and be corrected than just have, just sat in silence the whole time, you know? Like that yeah, I think if you, if you worry too much about something... Mm-hmm and overthink something, then you, you will get that paralysis if not. Or it yeah. comes into manifestation and it happens. I mean, the most common phrase is I've had 10,000 troubles in my life and only two or three of them became real. But, you know, just because just literally yeah. it's all in our heads. Virtual worry, yeah. You said you've, you've never experienced, and we've, we've been going for about an hour, so I just want to be cognizant of everyone's yeah, time. Yeah, I'm okay for the moment. Beautiful. You mentioned you've never experienced any sort of extreme uh, stress or trouble in life, so are your folks still alive? Or like... Mm. Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. Like mid-80s. How has your relationship to your folks shifted as you've gone into 56 or 57 years old? I don't think it's changed, really. I think I'm the same relationship um, that I had when I was a young kid. They could tell you to do the dishes or something, you'd just be like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Really? (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) That's an interesting concept. Have you had, uh, as you become 30, this is a pretty pinnacle point in your life I think 29 is the biggest age where people either run marathons kill themselves go skydiving it's the 9s 29, 39 or all of them oh have, yikes have, I didn't know that yeah, 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 get ready yeah. um, <laughs> how many hours have you got left <laughs> I have like 50 some days left okay so you've got to run a marathon jump out of an airplane <laughs> yeah let's hope you don't make the last one play Russian roulette with no um, but has your relationship with your parents shifted as you've definitely grown into adulthood. Like, I would say when you're 30, you're pretty much a full-grown adult. But when you're 21, you're not. Oh, we just blame you. I don't know about 30 being a fully grown adult. So, so when would it be? When is someone accountable for their actions, if ever? Society says well, 18, I say at least 25. I'm, it keeps me off the hot seat, you know? I mean, you, you know, you, your neurons have not fully, you know, you, you've definitely not fully formed as a human being when you... When you go to university. Oh, yeah. You Even know, at my age right you, now. Um, sorry, I keep on missing. It's this guy. Yes. It's fun. See, she's, I'm getting her hooked on the tech side oh. of things because you realize yeah. you're like I'm the power of your fingertips. You can do anything, which is just <laughs> yeah. an absolute joy. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't mean to get derailed. Um, I was talking to both of you about your relationships with your parents because yeah. apparently it's that intimate of a show. <laughs> but but um, it's just a fascinating thing that I've noticed. I don't know. Relationships with parents are the most interesting thing, especially because you're living a life where you're currently not having kids, so you don't see it fractal yeah, off into yeah, how you... Yeah, 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 so yeah. you don't see it down the line. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I've, I've not changed. I was uh, did lots of horrible things when I was a little kid. Really? You go to jail? Well, no, no, not things like that, but, you know, I would... Uh, 
you know, like, uh, I don't know if they have them anymore, but chemistry sets, you know, where they had test tubes and things with chemicals, yeah. and they had a little book, and, you know, are you meant to mix this with that? And, you know, so I'd get that as, like, a Christmas present or something, and I'd just wait until they'd gone out mix all of them together in one tube and blow it up, <laughs> things like that. That's not evil. That's what everyone should be doing. Yeah, no, everyone young. should be doing I thought you were going to be, like, but torturing animals or something. No, <laughs> Keep it to yourself. No, although I did, um, I, had, I, um, I had this guinea pig who I love, Toby, and I used to do all, you know, like, I'd build him parachutes and things like that, so I'd take him off the top of the building and Rock. throw him down in his parachute. And it, it, was, it all worked out aerodynamically. Really? Um, but, I, you know, Toby was a very brave guinea pig. Lucky guinea pig. <laughs> That's interesting. You're, you're honing into the, the genesis of science, which is Rene Descartes. You'd cut open yeah. dogs. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you, yeah. Tune, you were yeah. really tuning from a young age Yeah, so I, that was probably my best scientific you know, period when I was like nine or ten, I was doing all sorts of things like yeah. that. Yeah, let's say you lose uh, all your credibility and your your CV goes blank tomorrow. Do you go yeah. back into to fractals and science and nature? Do you think you could make it with just the knowledge you have, but without the connections you have? It's a fascinating concept to be like, where are you in life? No, because I think fundamentally, you know, we're dealing with many things. We're dealing with sexism and racism and whatever, and I don't think we've even scratched the surface of ageism. Oh, absolutely. That's a real thing. I hate old people. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, old people, are, you know, like me, are terrible, you know, and, and yeah. we just get by because we've got these great resumes. Yeah, I well, think you, you get rid of my resume and you, no one's going to employ me. Well, more or less, I was just asking if you were a fresh person right now, yeah. would you go travel and enjoy life or do you derive that much enjoyment out of researching the fractal nature of the universe and consciousness that you would still dive head, head first into it again? Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm sure if you just you know, whatever, you could wipe me clean and go again. I wouldn't be doing fractals. Of, really? Something else, and yeah. what would you be into? Have you ever had, like, a temptress, like, I guess art was, was your big thing that led you away from physics for a yeah. while? I've always been, um, I think I've always enjoyed that creativity business. That's and to me, <laughs> to me, it didn't really matter what it was in, whether it was science or art. Uh, just because I love music so much, I've always been a bit puzzled about myself that I never became a musician because yeah. I because I like that more I personally like music more than I like art really? so I don't know why why did I take a degree in art theory it's because at that time I was really interested in it um, you could still be a musician though. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I kind of... The ukulele is real easy, I can teach you. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, I was just, you know, joke with my wife, what I could do is get one of those massive, heavy metal drum kits and just... <laughs> when I'm 60, do that That's stuff. awesome. It'd be fun. So, so let's, just, let's go to make-believe land for just a minute here. You get to go back and meet your 20, 23, 25-year-old yeah. self, and you get to hand him, like, a book or just a note card that says something on it that says don't pursue art, pursue music, or, or, or you should hone into fractals as early as possible. Would you have anything that you get 30 seconds in the past, or would you say, just enjoy life? Uh, yeah, I would say I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything like do this or do that. I would probably say don't worry. Be happy. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I could sing it even. Yeah. You know, but I, I think that that's it. I think that, you know, I... I present this thing of oh well you know uh, you know I I wandered these journeys through these very dis disciplines and whatever, but you know there was a little part of me that was anxious, 
if your career in physics is doing really well and one day you just say, I'm going to go to art school, some of you, it'd be really unnatural to find somebody who just is that cavalier where they just say, I'm going to give up all of this and do this. What built up that stress or anxiety of the stress of wanting survivability. To be oh, so you saw physics as not a way to sustain yourself, but art was? No. No, probably the other way around. That's what would make sense. So then why would you leave the stability of physics to go into the instability? Because you had a PhD in physics at that yeah. point. And you went and just got an art degree. So were you like so set up physically that you were like uh, financially that you said, I can afford to go into arts? Or like, no, no, I just couldn't resist it. Wow. You know, I had so much, you know, from an early age, wanted to do everything. Yeah. And I'd spent, you know, a few years doing physics and it kind of mounted up and I, um, you know, it was get it sort of almost like living a double life, you know, where I was going into the f physics lab during the day and hanging out with my art friends at night and I was running out of hours in the day, you know, wow. so I thought, well, I'm going to change, so I'm going to go off to art school now. But look, but I think like we said earlier, a few people did say to me, you know, this means that you're not taking your scientific career seriously. And but those weren't your parents, because you said your parents. No, were my nothing parents but were fine. They just said, yeah, you do whatever you want to be happy, which is, I think, really unusual for a parent. That is, and that must have had a profound. That's the answer that I've been. We started this off, and yeah. we're just coming to a close here pretty soon. That's how I kind of we we initialized this once the technology started being on our side. Is how did you get to be so calm? and have so much equanimity that you do today. Um, and it's coming so, from a place, I, I, your yeah. parents built up faith and trust. You have I think a rock so, hard thing right? to build so up. So that's it, right? Trust is a beautiful thing. And I think it's within us all. As long as someone doesn't come along and destroy it for you. And that's why you've got to be very supportive of people because I've never had that trust being ruined. But lots of people have. Oh, yeah. And that's why you owe it to people to support them mm -hmm. and encourage them. Absolutely. And certainly don't do something where, you know, you manipulate them, um, yeah. you know, and all of those things. So I've been very lucky. See, that's um, so funny. I think a lot of people come from that place, not to extend this too long, but I'm like, I'm at a place where I'm, I'm trying to make it super, like, public that I'm like, I'm a tuning fork and I want to be tuned. And so to the point where I'm like, if someone has a piece of information that could help me help lessen suffering easier, more people help me further along my path, I'm like, I would be so heartbroken if someone withheld that knowledge from me, you know? So, mm. so, but you, it's, it's fascinating to, to hear the other side of it. And I'm sure it's a, it's, it's a dichotomy where it's, it's a, it's a spectrum you can fall on. Like you should help everyone, you know? Or it's, it's well, a, it's I think a one you should. The one, the one thing that I've not had is a mentor. You, know, you that, never had a mentor? No. That. So I've been very lucky. I had great parents. I've been super lucky in marrying the person that I love. And I've had some great friends, but I've never had a mentor. You must have read Surely, Mr. Feynman, You're Joking, though. And yeah, but, but that's not knowing somebody and actually somebody that you have as a human being. And, and it's not surprising, right? There aren't many people who are a physicist and an artist. There's not like somebody I'm going to bump into yeah. who said, you know, don't worry, Richard, you can go off to art school because I did it and everything worked out. Yeah. So I've had that problem that I've never known anybody like me in my life. Um, and I'd say that that's my biggest challenge, that I've had to have the energy 
in myself to say, oh, don't worry, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, Have you had trouble connecting with people because you said there, you haven't found people like you? You mean like you in terms of physics and art, but there are people like you in terms of they pursue happiness, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, like, to me, I, I don't see that much difference. I, you know, if I sit and, I, I, you know, I could sit and talk to either of you about something that you're really interested in, and I'd be just happy because I'm talking about what interests you. It, it wouldn't matter. You know, if you said, hey, you know, I really like 1990s blah, blah, then I'd say, oh, I wonder why that is. And then, then I would probably learn from you and go away and say, oh, this is so cool. That works really well with me because I like just talking over people the whole show. I'm kidding. Yeah. This is a radically different person. She remembers the first time I was on the show. She had to get an edge in word-wise. It was very difficult. I was a talker. Um, you know what is so fascinating as just almost as a closing topic that we can kind of touch on and then part ways is I've found to be the exact opposite in my life where if I'm talking to someone and they're telling me a story, I've just started being as, as brutal as being, well, that's not true because the past isn't true. It's true to you subjectively yeah. and that's meaningless to me. You could make up a story. You could tell me a dream. They hold the same value. What's the lesson in it? And that's the, the, the signal and I'm trying to reduce the noise. Not that many people are good storytellers, you know? But, th but that's what we are in the end. That's yeah. all that we are as storytellers. So I, don't, I don't think it really matters whether it's true or not. And it doesn't, you know, you've got to respect the fact that nobody else is you. Yeah. They, they can give you lots of advice. But it is, and they can be looking after you, but it's their advice based on what they think about you. And only you know, um, you know, who you are. And as long as you learn that, then you're going to be okay in life. Yeah, you it's can that easy, tonight. folks. Just learn about yourself, which which kind of stems from meditating. Have you had yeah, a, have you, and you you know you've got plenty of time to learn. Life isn't so much a race unless you know you've got fifty days till you're thirty, and you've got to jump out of that airplane. Then yeah. things get a little tense. Absolutely. Uh, I, but but once you get over thirty and you're still alive, it's kind of okay again. Yeah, I profoundly yeah. respect <laughs> and appreciate you taking the time and spending the energy. To, to speak with us and in the fact that you had such an equanimity about it that even when the technology wasn't working you took the attitude that you projected in terms of like well it's more about the experience and the intrinsic value of enjoying something I trust that you would have been perfectly fine if none of this was recorded then I didn't do anything with it yeah no that's fine I've that's really so enjoyed beautiful. talking to you about I love speaking with people like that that makes <laughs> that made me so so because just for people I spent I think 23 to 30 minutes just doing that as Ariel talked to you you know so yeah yeah, I, I but you did still record it. <laughs> she did. So I appreciate the both of you unbelievably much. Thank you very no, much. Thanks thank for all you. the listeners. Thank and you both. It's been fun. Yeah, I'll see you for the next episode.